Hi everyone. Um, welcome to the Scratch Cinema podcast. We're we're still doing a podcast this week. Um, I had gone back and forth on deciding whether or not to, um, in in not just the present moment, but in the the world as we know it and the long history that's been leading up to it. We're both going to talk about that a little bit um, before we kind of go into what we had said we were going to talk about. But as always, I'm I'm joined by Cornell. She thinks come 2021, this new year, new me is going to hit different. Welcome, Cornell. <laughs> Thanks, and it really will. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, I live in Tacoma, Washington. And um, a lot of things have been happening in the past few days that had gotten me wanting to point people in this direction. Um not because there aren't many important things to be focusing on, but because it's it's been the thing I've seen the most. Um, for those people that don't know, there was back in March a uh, death of a black man, Manuel Manny Ellis, um, that had been reported at the time by the newspaper I work at. And then just this past week, um, the same newspaper I work at and one of my colleagues had dug up the fact that it was a homicide and that was the determination that was being made after months of his family trying to get answers and pushing for that. And that's something I wanted to point people towards. You can find the GoFundMe that his family has created in the description as well as a lot of the other demands and things they're calling for. Um, and also of significance is that one of our previous guests, Jamika, when we had talked about the show Little Fires Everywhere, had been on the podcast. And she's part of a group called Tacoma Action Collective that I'll also point towards, um, who's bringing attention to a lot of this. She did a press conference with the family and was at a vigil last night with also Nikita Oliver. Um, and I had I had wanted to point people in that direction and acknowledge that this is something that's happening everywhere. And with Mr. Ellis here in Tacoma, it it's very similar. There have been some videos coming out, but it isn't something that has been caught on video in the same way and hasn't gotten as much attention. And in whatever small way I wanted people to, as they are everywhere, continue speaking up as we all have been, um, and to do the smallest, smallest part I can to do that would be something I would want to do. Um, so I would recommend people go that way. Um, Quinnell, did you have anything you wanted to, to share? Yeah, uh, I guess I just wanted to sort of speak on the greater topic really quickly. Um, there's, there's just always so much to be said in these instances, and it can be so heavy. And for me, it's been really heavy. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I haven't really been able to talk about it for very long without like tears, <laughs> but there is something I want to say, so I'm going to try to get it out. Um, so many families and lives are affected by police brutality and race-based violence and just the structural racism that people are speaking out against. And death is just really the most poignant thing for people to rally around, um, like out of all the rights that black people are often denied 
uh, in this country, their right to live just protected by their nation, a nation that they help build and not actively attacked by it is sort of at the top of the list. And it pains me that there are so many videos out there of these violent deaths and attacks by the police just in our sphere right now. But I think that some people just can't understand until they see something that really shakes them to their core, that really like, touches their humanity, like the death of George Floyd. Um, I really hope that out of all the lives and deaths that have led to this moment, like that they will just find some fruition, like they're just from like historical lynchings by law enforcement, such as like Hayes and Mary Turner to like more recognizable murders of the same kind, like George Floyd, Sandra Bland, Mike Brown, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, Philando Castile, and you mentioned Manuel Ellis to like children, like Tamir Rice. And these deaths hurt so many intersectional communities so deeply. And it's just part of this greater issue that's just anti-queer and anti-different, but especially anti-Black. And I think that we're seeing people from all of these communities coming out to express that they see this and they might not see all of the other parts of just like this greater anti-Black structure of the nation, but, and they might not have made time before, but now they see this violence and they've witnessed the behavior by the, the, the police state that we live in and that they have the time. And I don't know, maybe now that people are looking, they'll see more and understand how much we need to just finish reconstruction in just this honest and equitable way if this nation is going to like maintain peace and civility. And I really hope we can keep it up and really see some change come of this. And it's so important that people don't forget the weight that the political process has in all of this. And hopefully the presence of the National Guard will remind them. So it's so important that people get out and vote and maybe not just vote for some people. It's important that they run that they take all of this passion into the system so that good people aren't always having to scream for change from the bottom and that maybe they can be writing it into law from higher up. And I just really hope that something comes of all of this because it has been so stressful and so hard for so many people, but that'll be worth it if you can, you can really see something tangible. So, okay, whew, with that, <laughs> Chase, thank, you want Thank it. you for sharing that. <laughs> of course. So um, you want to talk about Rami? Yeah. I had partially wanted to still talk about Rami um, and not take a week off, even though it was something I, I really contemplated and thought about, but partly because I had actually seen uh, just last night, um, which will be a few days ago when this goes up, Rami Youssef on Seth Meyers' show talking about his show because he had obviously still had to promote it because um, it came out last Friday. Um, but he still used it as an opportunity to talk about the things in his show and how it intersected with the real world because it it does quite frequently. Um, and yeah, I, I, I still plan to have this be an ongoing conversation of things that we talk about because this is not just an isolated moment that we're going to forget about. Um, and as, as a white man consuming this type of content, it would feel disingenuous of me to not acknowledge how it draws from the real world and the ongoing struggles about it, um, which is, is partly why I found to transition into, into the conversation more directly, I found Rami to be a really moving show 
that was really darkly funny and at the end very sad um what what did you think of of rami because you hadn't seen any of it before right i had it and i watched all two seasons and it's very dark and Mm -hmm. very funny and Mm -hmm. rami sucks (laughs) yeah Let's get that out in the air, because I sent you a text asking, is Rami a good person? (laughs) Rami's a terrible person. He's trying so hard, but he is failing. He's failing at every turn. Mm -hmm. He just can't do the right thing to save his life, Mm -hmm. ever. And it feels like he's trying so hard to do the right thing. Like You almost, you you don't want Rami to mess up. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly, I felt throughout this that like okay i'm not a religious person personally mm-hmm. <laughs> however i feel like if there is an involved god that really has a front row seat to to things <laughs> rami's life is just so stressful <laughs> because he's trying so hard to just really connect with god and connect with religion mm-hmm. and for that to make him a better person mm-hmm. he just does not see how he has tasked everyone but himself with making him a better person <laughs> Right. And the most interesting scene of that was where he decides to bring an outsider into the church because he thinks that's what his faith is compelling him to do. And it ends up negatively affecting that person's life, the church. It for those that don't know, we're going to spoil the show as we always do. It's it's the it's the Scratch Cinema podcast slash spoiler cast, but Mm -hmm. Um, essentially he brings in this outsider who is always sitting at a diner that his friend, uh, works at slash owns, I think, or is a, is a high level manager of, and he's always trying to get a job, but the guy won't give him the job because he doesn't have any references. It seems like he's a homeless veteran and he decides to bring him to the church that he's just become more involved with, but by doing so, that man has an episode and attacks protesters outside very brutally. And it ends up being something where the church loses funding. There's a large like backlash against them. And it all was from Rami trying to do the right thing and not necessarily thinking things through. I think that's the biggest thing is he always wants it to kind of be easy, but sometimes doing the right thing is hard. Well, my problem with Rami isn't so much that he's like doesn't think things through it's that halfway through every good thing he tries to do he starts lying yeah (laughs) he can't help himself he tells a lie it's like a big major thing that he thinks he's telling just some little white lie like this man is a veteran who has Mm. ptsd Mm -hmm. and has killed a lot of people and has already confided in rami that the sounds of the prayers make him want to do violent things. And Rami really went in here and told the Sikh that this man wasn't even like a real soldier. Like he didn't really even right. see combat. <laughs> he should have, he should have told him. And he, for those who don't know, Mahershal Ali is a character in the season. And I think is a really good grounding force for Rami. Cause in the last season, um, he kind of was very aimless. He still is in many ways, but he kind of latches on to, uh, Mahershal Ali's character as a guiding force but a force that he doesn't still always respect which means I think he, he still doesn't even know how to respect <laughs> right because if he had respected him he would have had the conversation with him and said I don't know what the right thing to do is I want to help this man 
but I'm concerned about him needing more help than we can give, whether we're the right place to do it, whether there could be consequence that we face if we don't proceed with caution and it blows up in all their faces. He could have at least told them, like, baseline the facts that he knew. I cannot believe that he basically created an oath, had an oath right. with this man, that he was going to be 100% honest. First, and then he broke it. Immediately starts lying. Yeah immediately and we just like gloss over that one and he just breaks it over and over and over mm-hmm. again the mm-hmm. only time he's honest with this band is the first time that he meets him except he's not he's not honest with him even then well, i mean all the stuff that he thinks that he has to tell him except for the big one i guess nope, we should i guess i should back up a little bit at the end of the first season he's sleeping with his cousin and hasn't really told that. anyone about it. He did tell him that? Yeah, yeah. He tells he tells the sheik that when he first meets him. Okay. Like, I masturbate a lot. And I slept with my cousin and all of these things. And he's like, and the sheik's like, oh, you remind me of me when I was younger. And he's like, oh, oh you also slept with your cousin? He's like, no. <laughs> but he didn't really tell him that it was ongoing. Because, like, midway through, right before the, the marriage, he goes back. And that obviously is pretty terrible. Because well, I don't think it was ongoing until that moment. Okay, you <laughs> don't think they had... He was being transparent. <laughs> but him thinking he is versus him actually doing that. Rami is very lenient on himself. He's he's I not... He's hard on himself. Somebody else is lenient on him, too. Right, right. Which is part so, of the problem. So, like, he decides he's going to tell his future wife, maybe his possible future wife, that he slept with his cousin. And she's like, I don't need to know the details. And he's like, what, right. really? And I'm like, no, don't let him. <laughs> well, because for her, she didn't want to know. For everyone that's listening, at the end, Rami is supposed to marry um, Mahershala Ali's daughter. And it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> he doesn't even know what it is that he doesn't want to know, though. <laughs> Right. She doesn't. Like, that's the problem, is that she's saying, oh, it's fine. It's not a problem, because she thinks she already has all of these assumptions about mm-hmm. what sort of things they could be. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he's had a sexual past. Not, mm-hmm. oh, he slept with his cousin, who was an integral part of their family. Mm-hmm. Right <laughs> after their grandfather had died. And very, very recently. Yeah. But do you think he was using that I don't want to know as sort of cover to then do things in the present and have an affair without telling her? I will say, I don't think that. I don't think that Rami is malicious. I think that he is a stupid bad person. (laughs) He's a bad person because he just (laughs) he just doesn't think that I think that lets him off the hook a little bit because he knows right from wrong. I'm not sure that I would say that. I think he's very naive and to think he can somehow weasel his way out of a situation. But the fact that weaseling is required means he knows that he's in a bind, that he put himself in a bad situation where he has to explain himself out of it. He does, but I think that he thinks that not that, that not saying it or lying or whatever it is he manages to do in the moment is a better solution. Like when the guy he finds out that this man who was a veteran had a violent past, they're already well on their way to the mm-hmm. center. He's already decided, oh, I'm going to extend this generosity to this person. And he finds mm-hmm. out, and he's like, well, I shouldn't let this stop me. 
So mm -hmm. I'll just soften this so that this guy could still join the church. And he doesn't think, oh, well, maybe there could be repercussions. He thinks, oh, I really want to help this guy. Okay. And if I lie, I can do that. And I think that that's a lot of the reasons that Rami is a bad person. And then I think the, the Mahershala Ali's character really summarized that. Summarizes mm -hmm. that really quickly when he just tells him that he hurts people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he doesn't Which think I... about other people and he just hurts people. <laughs> Which I think was what he was trying to prevent in the middle of the season where he kind of disconnects himself from Rami and doesn't talk to him for an extended period of time. I think he's trying to create a space between them, but then Rami sort of works his way back in seemingly genuinely to try and make amends for it. And he does does initially, but because he's Rami, he can't sort of cling to a good thing and almost self-sabotages all the positive things that are going well for him. He has a huge weakness, which is sexual relationships with a woman, period. Yeah, I think he has a porn addiction or a sex addiction, but he's still not talking entirely openly about it that way. He seems to, I don't know, this this is more complicated, but he seems to be identifying it as something that can be fixed solely through his faith. Yep. But I think it might require another avenue. Not that his faith can't be a transformative, valuable thing to him, but it's putting all of the weight on his faith community to solve something that might need a therapist or therapy of some kind because it it gets to the point where Rami has a problem and I don't judge him for that problem but when he doesn't take the steps needed to work at that and it negatively impacts other people around him most notably his wife, on the night of their marriage, he starts asking for a polyamorous marriage and to have multiple wives. And it's such a hurtful, painful scene. And it's it's made all the worse that he seems like... The interesting thing is, and it sort of had bothered me at first, but I think it's somewhat intentional. Rami is the type of like fast-talking character where it's like when things go wrong, he sort of just sort of... He's witty. He'll just sort of make jokes and try and explain his way out of a situation. But it's in that scene where it isn't funny really anymore. Rami he is... doesn't ever take personal responsibility no. for something. Like, he there's just so tries many to make things... it all work. Yeah, but he can't. There's eventually going to be a point where he can't do that anymore. And this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, when you said one of the most moving examples of this was his interaction with the, the veteran, mm -hmm. I think another one, which is more comedic, is his mm -hmm. friend telling him that he just prays for him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, everyone in his life has recognized that he's self-absorbed. He's mm -hmm. kind of awful. And he's like, I pray more for you than I pray for refugees. And then I'm sitting there like, why am I praying for Rami? <laughs> for people who need it. But instead, I'm praying for you. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. And I just, I felt that as just a friend, as a person who really cares about somebody, it's not mm -hmm. like people see Rami as an intentional bad person mm -mm. but it's almost like they need to pray for him to be better and but, he thinks that too yeah and rami rami is not powerless he's capable of change he just takes so many of the easy paths and that's why it's important at the end scene where he's confronted in the hotel room which i think only goes for like five to ten minutes but felt like 20 minutes because it's just, not in a bad way, I mean that in, it's just very painful, 
where it's like no longer can he talk his way out of this one. He isn't going to get forgiveness for this one. And that's important. It maybe could be him hitting rock bottom and figuring out that he needs to pull his life together. I don't think so. You don't think so? You think it's a continued spiral for him? Rami hits rock bottom every two episodes. And it just keeps getting farther and farther down. He keeps finding a new bottom. I thought he hit rock bottom when that woman's husband called mm-hmm. his dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the big moment of the first season, yeah. The married woman during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. When he was supposed to be... It's almost like he, he lives life in extremes, where during Ramadan he was trying to be very, very devout, make sure that he was following all the rules. And then, of course, he overcorrects the other way, as opposed to just... Because everyone else would occasionally break fast, uh, a little bit cheating around the edges. And that's that's more forgivable. They all are understanding. But Rami's like, no, I need to be 100% extreme. Otherwise, it'll all be broken. And then he sleeps with someone else's wife. And that seems like a way overcorrection the other way. <laughs> yep. Like, Rami, you could have had a bite to eat elsewhere if you were really feeling stressed. This is not the way to do it. Not to mention the second that Rami makes even mildly sexual eye contact with a woman you mm-hmm. immediately know as an audience member. He just, like, yeah. he raises his eyebrows in this way where he's like, oh my gosh, you get me. And it's just bad news for anybody who is trying to understand him at all. <laughs> it's a cursed look if you see Rami looking at you that it's way. It's, it's a bad sign. It means you have tried to empathize with somebody who doesn't deserve it right now. I mean... He's a cute he's a cute guy. He has those puppy dog eyes. He tricks you. He you think he's harmless and is just gonna be friendly and nice and he is genuinely kind sometimes, but it doesn't make it any less worse where then he pulls you into a situation where it all blows up. And this is this is gonna maybe be a complicated question, but the the episode with his dad where his dad lies for a long time about him losing his job and not wanting his family to know. It seems like that's something that runs in the family, this pride above all else. And to admit failure or problems that they're having would be to lose some of that pride would be to admit that you're a failure in some instance. But in both their cases, it kind of makes it worse um, as opposed to asking for help, which he does in some instances. But then the people that do help them, or the people that do help Rami specifically, he he hurts them the most, which makes it all the much worse. <sighs> I've, I've been dancing around this comparison. Rami. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, no, what were you going to say? I've been dancing around this comparison because I do think they're different characters, and I don't want to, like, uh, brush over some of, I think, the unique things that both shows have. But the end of this season reminded me a lot of the end of, I can't remember which end of the season it was, but the end of Atlanta, one of the seasons, where Ern goes and lives in the storage shed. Do you remember this? I don't, but I didn't finish all the seasons. That's okay. I think they're both flawed (laughs) in their own ways. Ern is more selfish. I think Rami is... A whole other... He's a lot more... I'm not going to lie. I thought they were both selfish. I think they're both (laughs) selfish, but I think Rami has a whole lot more of a mess going on in some ways. that's true. I just think Rami isn't... 
you know what? I feel like Rami isn't an adult. Yeah, he feels much younger. I wonder it, how old he's meant to be. Well, you know what? The fact that he's old enough to get married already yeah. the whole time, I'm just like, how how did this even happen mm-hmm. <laughs> to a person <laughs> for mm-hmm. them to be so innocent and so naive that these terrible things happen, but just conniving enough to outright tell his sister you just have to lie like you just mm-hmm. just just do what you want just be deceiving just he gives people terrible advice on top of all of that yeah and it's just this balance that screams 17 year old boy to me <laughs> well, <what's> interesting <laughs> is out com- in the world allowed to do things and people expect him to be a full person but he's not quite up to the task absolutely just- not. It's like you let a seventeen-year-old get married, and then he had a crush on somebody. He's like, "Well, maybe, maybe we can, we can all be married." Because that's that's the thing that was interesting is how the show will take something that feels like a bit, which is where it's all of his friends in the kitchen, and they're sort of riffing and joking. At least I was reading it as more of a joke about how, like, oh yeah, you could, you could have a. Uh, another wife like this is a western concept mm-hmm. to have a exactly. monogamous marriage and i, I part of me cousin <laughs> part of me in my head was like i guess that would be okay if everyone agreed to it if you had an open marriage but the context in this is that it's not agreed upon and rami's like dropping this bomb of information seemingly to like have it be a little coercive of just like well you're already stuck with me so maybe we could just do this but obviously, he's like, no, I'm not really cool with this. I don't know if he expected her to be like, no. I don't think he expects any of his failures. Then he's really naive. And he's that's it's so tough. stupid. He was so shocked when he woke up and his wife wasn't next to him. I know. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. I can't imagine he had planned out like, oh, this is going to go smoothly. It's even even down to the last moment where he asks... Mahersha Ali's character to seek to pray with him. Right. <laughs> and he, he runs to the bathroom for... and they watch oh. a whole montage on how he clearly still didn't wash his feet long enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so that he hasn't learned anything. Scene, but he really has it from the moment that that man took his foot when he was in the mosque and washed it for him to mm-hmm. now. He still doesn't do the main thing that he's supposed to do. And when he comes out, the sheikh's gone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that just, that moment was still so jarring to him. Mm-hmm. that it really exemplified how truly stupid and naive he is. Down back to where he gets in this this vet's car, who he's basically responsible for that man being in jail. Mm-hmm. And in the first section of this CD that the man has bought on how to be a Muslim, mm-hmm. it tells you how long you're supposed to wash your feet. Before. I know. they They were really hammering home that poetic repetition of how he hasn't really learned that that first lesson and it's it seems as if he's unwilling to learn some of the fundamental things he's never going to change when he decided to jerk off and that dog was still laying next to him i was like oh is that what happens i i didn't think that's what he was doing yeah previously where he gets the dog and he tells his parents they're keeping him and Mm -hmm. he goes upstairs and gets on his computer Oh, you're talking about that. I thought you were talking about the end scene. No, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about all of the times in which he just completely fails to understand Mm -hmm. how to do the right thing. That There are these moments where you could just do better. 
and he just won't do them. So that moment where he decides to jerk off, he doesn't need to. He has a whole pet there, present. It's weird. Mm-hmm. And then it's in this car, and he just realized that he hasn't learned anything from the first episode, including like how to wash his feet. Mm-hmm. But maybe this could be a turning. I don't know. I think there, if they do another season, there is room for him to redeem himself, even if he doesn't fix his marriage. I think he's but I capable. Don't know if it would make good TV. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I don't. I think that the pacing of his lack of improvement mm-hmm. is, but kind of core to the plot. You think it would take like ten seasons for him yeah. to even make some progress? Yes, exactly that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. much of it is that every time you think that Rami is about to make a stride of self improvement, you're so excited for him. He's mm-hmm. in Cairo. He hears the mosque. He's excited. Nope. Mm-hmm. Well, it <laughs> seems like he's this party, and he's going to judge people for doing cocaine, and then he's going to sleep with his cousin. So yeah, I know. <laughs> he's 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 often very judgmental of others around him. Um, I don't know. Uh, the the thing that's interesting to me is. He he really, really seems like he wants to try in some moments that I almost feel tricked by his genuineness so that I almost feel betrayed along with all the other characters when he turns on them. And even though it's in many ways his own fault and he could ask for help, he could ask to stay at his parents' house, he's still so ashamed that he's willing to, in the final shot of the season, be homeless in a car and pay dearly like not to get too dark but he could freeze to death and he's turning on the car to keep warm but it's he he lied he goes back and he just tells a lie when it's now now's the time to tell the truth Mm -hmm. and he can't do it and it's the lying that really and you know how i am personally about lying i already think that it's just like the (laughs) path of darkness but every Mm -hmm. single time he tells a lie it's Mm -hmm. never little it's never helpful it doesn't have any positive outcome and he just keeps doing it right the seat gave him one rule to live by the interesting thing is everyone else in his family also has their own flaws and they oftentimes stumble really hard trying to fix them i think of the episode with his mom being a lift driver mm-hmm. and misgendering someone and being disrespectful a lot of that comes out of ignorance, but her her daughter does then confront her and say, hey, you are oftentimes cruel without realizing it. And she seems to, like, commit to change. And that, that just makes it all the more worse. We're like, uh, why couldn't Rami have done some of that, too? I don't know. It seemed like he genuinely was wanting to turn his life around. I actually think Rami's character is a lot more like his father's character. Oh, 100%. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that man doesn't grow at all. (laughs) I mean, he likes the dog. He forms a connection with the dog. (laughs) I think that's growth. Yeah. No. Why not? I feel like the only reason they even told him that dogs were haram was so that he wouldn't get one. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But then he loves it. It's, It's him learning to accept... Um, a new a new member of the family. He's sad. Mother has when... so much growth as a character. Oh yeah, <laughs> dad 100%. is so so static. But maybe that's because he's scared to change. His life is just as it is, and he doesn't want to 
try anything new. And so maybe this dog is a tiny glimpse. Because he can't of... do the right thing either. Like put that garlic on his head like he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing the right thing is hard. That's that's sort of been my big thing is this is a show of flawed people trying to be good. And sometimes, sometimes achieving that more often not. But it's it's compelling. It's really interesting to to watch um one of the things rami had said in the because the the writer's name and creator and main actor and the whole thing he should be in more stuff he's great um rami yusuf was talking a little bit about how in his own family and in his community there is a lot of still racist attitudes that happen and i guess it's mostly with the uncle which is the most anti-semitism yeah, and also when his uncle sort of half crashes the marriage meeting that they're going to have mm-hmm. and begins to just say a lot of racist stuff, it's the most uncomfortable scene. And it's the scene where Mahershala Ali, he's so good because he he has been generally very, very, very kind. And it's where you sort of see that crack a little bit that he can't contain it. It can just be in a little line. I had written it down where he just like on a dime is like, who is this man? And just in his tone, he conveys everything of how he doesn't want him to be there at all because he's making so many, so many shitty comments throughout that whole thing. And he immediately takes it over too. And it's the worst. Okay. So I have a confession to make. Okay. The episode where you learned something about the uncle that you told me about. Mm-hmm. I think I slept through it. Okay. Well, I, I can I tell you what it's the about. uncle is gay. He's gay, isn't he? Yes, and I have a little <laughs> bit of a problem with how they sort of grapple with it because I think it it could play into a trope of how it's sort of like gay men are always like violent um, people because of their repressed homophobia that they have to performatively do to not seem gay. And I think there's a little bit going on there. It's There's some nuance to it, but honestly... I think it's it's maybe the weaker episode of the show just because it doesn't quite it doesn't quite stick the landing. It doesn't quite tackle it with as much sort of nuance because everything's very messy. But at the end of it, you're like, okay, this is a character who's kind of come out the other side. In in that one, he just sort of eventually goes to the guy's house, but then is still sad, just eating cake on the side of the the street by himself. I don't know. I just. Yeah, I I mean, I guess maybe that's more of something to say about, like, repression, mm-hmm. the anger thing that mm-hmm. comes from repression and seeing other people express themselves when you can't. I don't know if that's limited to, like, mm-hmm. uh, the homosexual or queer community. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess I just it's it's more in the broader thing where you always will hear like, oh, like, do you remember this is such a random off the head comparison? Um, do you remember the scene in Perks of Being a Wallflower where they have the fight? And um, uh, Ezra Miller's boyfriend in it, he, like, has to call him homophobic slurs and, like, Mm -hmm. trips him and beats him up. Mm -hmm. And that very well could be true that people do do that. But I also, I don't know. I just think there's so many people in the queer community that are loving and kind and are capable of anger and violence and stuff like that, as any person is. But it just always feels like this is the thing where they're, performatively angry and attempting to be this hyper violent person to to 
put away the scent that they possibly, God forbid, could ever be gay. But I think that's, I mean, I think that's what I mean by saying that it's not particularly about queerness as much as Mm -hmm. it's about repression. Because, Mm -hmm. like, on one hand, I absolutely understand that you, one doesn't want to see the queer community represented negatively because it Mm -hmm. always becomes a broader generalization. Mm -hmm. But you also have to look at this sort of, not to get too political again, but sort of statistics about deaths of queer and trans people mm-hmm. and knowing that a lot of these violences have to be committed by people who were were close to them. Right. In, in that way, you know, you see a pretty clear like sort of correlation mm-hmm. between the possibility for repression to lead to violence mm-hmm. and violence is actually being committed. So I don't think it's so much that uh, the queer community is being represented that way as much as the repressed queer community Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be more of a conversation about like the harms that come from that repression, sort of like things that fear and that kind of fear can breed. Yeah. Fear can lead to anger. I'm not going to quote Yoda. I was almost about to. (laughs) And anger can be towards yourself or outwards. I think that people Mm -hmm. talk a lot about, you know, when they discover that they're queer, when they, if they are grappling with that, how Mm -hmm. much of that hatred can be self-hatred. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities to talk to people who are closeted and repressed and maybe mm-hmm. have turned that sort of fear and hatred outwards. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I understand that definitely don't want to see that sort of misrepresentation. But I also think that there's sort of room for nuanced representations of queerness and they're not always perfect. Yeah. When you're talking about that kind of inner versus outer anger, I feel like Rami is always trying to find an outer problem as opposed to addressing some of his inner turmoil in some ways. He thinks going to a new mosque will fix everything, which it could be a positive experience, don't get me wrong, but unless he addresses some of the internal strife he's going through, it's not going to fix itself. He always like has to find something to do, which... I can relate to, I think we've all had that moment where we try and distract ourselves by doing a task or focusing on something. But if he's doing it solely to distract himself, I think that's going to be bad in the long run for him. It just is going to be continually pushing off some of the, the reflectiveness he needs to do with himself and doesn't seem ready to or wanting to in a lot of instances. Whereas his sister, um, her episode... It seems like she uh, has a lot better of an emotional maturity where she can figure out how she should be able to be okay with being proud of her achievement going to law school, mm-hmm. even though it was sort of played up that she was maybe actually experiencing some repercussions for being too prideful. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? about his sister because i like i like her character a lot she's she's a really good counterweight in a lot of the good scenes uh yeah i'd agree i think that his sister is definitely a foil for his own character Mm -hmm. (laughs) except that i feel that i don't know so much of the problems that her character faces are just directly oppositional to rami's it's almost like he has too much freedom and has no idea what the right thing is supposed to be Mm -hmm. um and, and she's almost had to survive with less and make more out of it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Even even her flashback, like his, is 
really, really involved about how, you know, he he dealt with 9-11 as a child and learning to masturbate and losing Mm -hmm. friends and it's just very very involved and hers is mostly just about her father telling her about all the ways that as a woman she can't be the same kind of person Mm -hmm. as her male counterparts for all sorts of reasons it's really really painful to watch for me Mm -hmm. that scene was just Mm heart-wrenching Because here's this person who's supposed to love you and he just sits you down and it's just like, here are all of the ways that you could become worthless to your community. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be a devastating amount of pressure to put on somebody, not even just a kid, but on anybody. Yeah. Hmm. I I think there's, there's probably a lot of conversations that this show just bowls right into. And I, I think that's admirable about it. Um, I don't know. I was I was reading uh, an interview um, that he had done uh, talking about like if he thinks this is going to make people angry. And I think what mm-hmm. he had sort of said to the effect was yes, but maybe that's good in some instances. Obviously not like hateful, but sort of like that defensiveness and uncomfortableness can lead to a better place of reflection. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the that's the takeaway I kind of have from it at the end of it it made me really sad because i was definitely finding it funny but there were just so many moments where i was just not laughing where i was just like this is devastating like when he wakes up in bed and rolls over and just sees mahershal ali over there just staring at him it's you immediately know this is he can't get out of it and how hurt he has made everyone around him and i think that's why I think Rami's good, but I think Mahershal Ali was what made this season better than the last season. Mm-hmm. He obviously kind of can't be there for the whole time because he's a big actor and a lot of episodes don't have him in it. But his scenes in the beginning, especially juxtaposed against the scenes at the end, just are a really sad arc that he went from being this very caring, trusting person to Rami and then having that get betrayed and blow up in his face. It's... Ooh. I honestly didn't notice his lack of presence, if I'm being honest. I guess yeah. I guess partially because well, because the show spends so much time split between all the different characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I just assumed that the length of his sections were just more medium. Like for example, mm-hmm. the interactions that he has with his friends, they're often very short, highly mm-hmm. comedic segues. Right. You see a lot of them just enough to like get to know them you probably get to know steve more than anyone else yeah so i guess i didn't think too much about him not being as present because he's definitely less present than some other characters yeah i guess it's that even when he's not physically in each scene oftentimes he's a motivating force like when they go to get the funding back it's mostly off of his motivation to want that to be done which that episode might be my least favorite in some ways that episode definitely reminded me of an episode of atlanta yeah i think I, it's the same the... one it's when the teddy episode right yeah yeah it gets a it's less weird but it's still like the arrow shooting i don't know this uh also this this muslim man that i i'm really just having trouble placing is he british um i think he's possibly both i had looked it up because he was well, in I... an episode well, I know Sorry, the character ahead. is supposed to be Muslim. I was just trying to figure out, like, if he's 
is he a white British Muslim or I was no, just I so think confused. He, I think he has some Egyptian ancestry. I would have to double check because I looked it up because I'd recognized him from some episodes of Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. But I think there was some definitely some commentary going in that for everything I've seen him in, he has not been ever acknowledging of that and you wouldn't really notice it or think about it. And the fact that he is super wealthy and has oil yeah, and money. oil money, everything about yeah. it was so cringy. And just Although not just oil money. What did he invest in? He invested um, in Match.com. Com. Oil yeah. and love. That was oil and love. That was a good joke. Um, but yeah, it was that he had to essentially go and plead to get the money. But then that scene, that whole episode maybe becomes sad in retrospect because... That's where they go together for the first time and kind of have one-on-one time. And he's able to, I don't know, he's, that's the weird thing. Rami is charming in some instances. Incredibly. Because he's witty. He's so stupid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's so dumb. It's just, it's like, it's definitely puppy dog energy. Yeah. But like it's more than just puppy dog. He's a they- clever puppy. I don't think that. I don't think he's a clever puppy. I think he's just full puppy. Like when he, he okay, another problem. Mm. I really think there's a complete lack of character development for um what is her name that woman he marries? That's the thing we've been struggling to remember her name. She just has such little agency. I don't understand why she likes him. I don't feel any sort of chemistry was written between them. <laughs> And the one scene that they have that's kind of bonding, they're going to her mom's grave, and he's telling her about how when he was little, he kind of wished one of his parents would die so that he could have that cool thing where one of his parents is dead. Yeah, and that's that's kind of messed up. <laughs> I'm so confused as to what their dynamic is supposed to be, how I'm supposed to believe that these two people should get married. <laughs> He doesn't even begin to deserve this woman. And I'm so, I'm so, I was shocked. I was shocked by this development. I think, I think the thing that happens is they, they talk for a long time and form a connection that way. They have the, um, I guess, montage of them doing FaceTimes back and forth and sharing a lot about each other. And it was cute. It was them being kind to each other. But she'd being... already decided she liked him. Right. And that's it was sort the of their courtship period. Yeah, that's the part yeah. that I don't understand. I mean, you've never had a, a crush on some guy who was probably bad for you. Who among us has not been with someone that's maybe not good for us? I mean, you're right, because he's stupid. It's just the charm that, that stupid boys have. <laughs> no offense, but like the whole the whole jock vibe works because of this. Mm -hmm. I think what would have made it better is if she had her own episode, just as many of Rami's family did, if she had her own episode. Just something, because his his appeal reminds me a lot of um, Rock Hudson in Hollywood. Yeah. Except that Rock is a wonderful person. (laughs) I mean, Rock's not perfect. He sometimes is prone to jealousy. Very dumb. (laughs) Yeah, that too. I, I don't think we can let Rami off the hook as much by just saying his dumbness in some instances overshadow how he could well how he could 
change things. He is oh, capable of change. Oh, no, I think he change. can still be responsible. I'm just saying I think that his appeal to women has to be just just dumb charm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I've failed to understand, and maybe it's because I watched the show and I know the character, but mm-hmm. whenever... But no, even at the beginning, when I didn't really know who Rami was, the fact that he managed to charm a woman, period... <laughs> It was unbelievable to you. He doesn't even bathe properly. You're right. <laughs> or regularly enough. <laughs> I don't know. For me, for me, as kind of a last thought, this this has been my favorite Hulu show, maybe in some instances. It's 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 an A twenty four production, so it kind of feels like one of their movies in some ways. But I, I really liked it. I would like another season because I think this is an instance where there's more for him to tell. Um, but yeah, do you have any closing I, I would watch Rami fumble through 10 seasons. I would. Because <laughs> it may take that many for him to finally get it all together. But and hey, frankly, he that seems more reasonable to me than creating a third season where Rami finds all of this self-reflection at once. Like, this is a deeply flawed character. And I think that there's going to be like there would be so much more time to unpack all of the ways in which he sucks, given that in two seasons we haven't unpacked anything. This is going to be a weird comparison, but did you ever watch Fleabag? I didn't. Fleabag for me is almost a perfect show, and they both have sort of a fraught relationship to sex for obviously very different reasons, but I don't know. They're both very different, but I was getting a lot of that vibe of just that I really am like, yep, this is a very flawed character who may have a unhealthy obsession with sex and use it to cope in some instances. But it makes me want to see more of it because I'm not going to see any more Fleabag because it's done and that's sad. But <laughs> Rami is still here. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting character like vibe. I I mm-hmm. think of Ron Weasley for some reason. <laughs> Why? That, she's just that brand of fumbling through life and okay. also making terrible mistakes where he's kind of an asshole. But then at the end of the day, you're like, ah, oh, you're kind of likable. Best. He sticks up for his friends. Oh, man. The wacky adventures <laughs> of Rami. Um, the one show we're not going to get any more of to transition is She-Ra. Princesses of power! Which you are sad about. You were saying before we started that that you would want to see more. But it's she and the princesses. And the princesses. I know. I I could watch this. I I could watch it for so long. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm okay with how it ended. I'm okay with how Mm -hmm. it went. Mm -hmm. I I don't feel that it was a show that I I needed to end. That Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, they're not going to be able to do anything else. They could stop right here. What did you like about the ending? I liked that this last season wrapped up a greater plot that was related to the core plot. It really unfolded really well without being too much too fast, Mm -hmm. which, you know, having watched the end of shows like Sense8, Mm -hmm. trying to cram a lot of development into a season is not easy. And they really let this breathe more. They really did. It was really beautiful. Um, so I don't know how much you guys know about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Tell <laughs> but, us, Buna. Um, Adora used to be a Horde soldier. Um, the Horde is this army that has 
um, invaded Etheria and is spreading just, I mean, just like an army. And I'm not sure what their greater initial goal was for spreading, but basically it's run by Hordak. And for most of the first, what, no, for the first four seasons, Hordak is the villain. Um, he is working on something in his lab. We don't know what it is. It's bad for the planet. He's trying to access some sort of weapon. We we don't really know what Hordak is doing. We just know that it's bad. And so you get some of that um, very pedestrian and innocent cartoon development. You meet all the characters. They're lovable. They go on lots of side quests. They save the day a lot. But She-Ra's character, Adora, has basically left behind her best friend, Catra. Um, when she discovers that she's a princess. So she was a horde soldier, but actually she's one of the strongest princesses and her job is to defend this planet. And she just sort of shifts her entire worldview and her identity very quickly in the first season to becoming this person. And she leaves behind Katra, who they've been friends since they were children. Katra's part of the horde. Katra's believed in all of their rhetoric and so did Adora, so she's pretty shocked when Adora decides to abandon her. And so through the past four seasons, you also see just a lot of tension with Katra and her abandonment issues and feeling that from everyone who's been present in her life. And she's always been mean. Like she was a mean kid. She's a mean teenager. She's a mean adult. But <laughs> she's attached to Adora, and she's attached to another character named Shadow Weaver, who was sort of like their guardian as kids. Like, Shadow Weaver's a terrible person. But mm-hmm. and she's just on this endless quest for power. She's incredibly power hungry, but she was the closest thing they had to a mom. And in the first two seasons, you see Catra sort of abandoned by both Adora and Shadow Weaver to join this great team of all of these princesses who just grow through friendship with one another. <laughs> um, so in the last season you basically get everything that the audience wanted. So you find out, I mean, okay. So Hordak as a villain was a terrible person, but you also, Mm -hmm. he also has this relationship with Entrapta, who is a princess whose power is basically just being incredibly smart and scientific. She's very awkward. She doesn't have any friends. And when she accidentally gets abandoned at uh, Hordak station, she basically befriends him through, awkwardly being overly involved in all of his science. She's like, well, if you're doing science, it's off this planet. I want to know about it. And he's like, who is this small girl and why is she in my lab? But she's really good at fixing things. And so they sort of form a relationship. So in season five, you meet Horde Prime and you find out that Hordak was just a clone. And he's relegated back to like a clone soldier under this clearly greater evil. So you get to root for basically every character that you've met. None of them mm-hmm. are the big bad guy. And all of them have somehow become a part of this sort of She-Ra and Princess's family. Um, some of the princesses are lesbians and married. You get a lot of representation just really across the board in this season. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you get the closure of this friendship that is Catra and Adora and all the tension that they've had. And then Catra realizing that like there are greater evils than her being mad at Adora for leaving (laughs) and sort of they make up and then Adora realizes that she's always really been attached to Catra anyway they kiss and they fall in love in the end (laughs) were you satisfied with the sending I was so you have to really watch the show to understand how satisfying it is like 
when people talk about Princess Bubblegum <laughs> and and Marceline, Marceline. from yeah. that other animated show that I don't watch. The other animated show, Adventure Time? You yes. dork. <laughs> you know, the, you know, there are cartoons that lots of adults watch, and there's just like a slew of them, but we know the big names. Adventure Time. I think one. you would like Adventure Time. I think I would too. It just seems like a, a big seems like a big time dedication same thing with steven universe they're pretty (laughs) short episodes but you go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off they're like marceline and princess bubblegum exactly i'm just i understand that when those two characters became involved with each other it's just like everything you wanted to see as a kid and Mm -hmm. just all of this love and inclusion on television and in a way that is just appropriate for younger audiences but also a dream come true for you Mm -hmm. (sighs) i get it i understand (laughs) <laughs> Would you describe it as wholesome? Yeah, I think that it's a little bit more pointed than wholesome. I mean, just, I mean, just in most wholesome shows, I think that they sometimes delve into, I don't know, more difficult conversations. Like, not not very heavy, but I don't think that it's all rainbows and sunshine. You see Catcher deal with a lot of anxiety. You see different characters deal with, like, sort of, abusive friendships and relationships and learning what it is to interact with somebody well and then how to deal with your own inner turmoil and all of these things and I just think there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of subversive conversations about that but I mean you do see that in a lot more a lot more now in like modern cartoons than you did in older ones mm-hmm. which is why I mentioned just um Adventure Time and Steven Universe because I think that's something that they all have in common but it was really, really great. And you guys should all watch Shira and then go look at all of the fan art. And <laughs> Are you happy you can now consume the fan art without spoilers? I am. I was so excited to delete all the little filters. And they're all over my timeline. Yay. <laughs> I've been hiding some really, really cute stuff that would have spoiled this for me. And honestly, I saw one spoiler before I watched the last season. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't even think it was real. I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> this is made up. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, somebody thinks this is cute. Nope, it's cute. It's so cute. It's so freaking cute. <laughs> and it was just a really positive note to end on for the show without being unbelievable, without trying to cram in too much content. They really did it. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. I even got to see my favorite gender chaotic neutral character again, and I really thought that they were going to be gone. <laughs> but they made a surprise comeback. They did, and it was so great. I love them. I love them so much. Good. Anyway. Uh, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that with us. I was just going to toss out before we wrap up um, the, the I guess it's my what 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 did I call it the coming soon with Chase or like the I new guess, release yeah we'll have to we'll have to create a, a more concrete name all right for now it's coming soon with Chase as in today we're chasing oh. new releases okay anyway no 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 <laughs> no 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 <laughs> oh no um yeah shot there's... down wow. No, it's just that that came up in a work call and I felt like really bad when everyone started using it. Like every single person when they would say, here's what I'm working on. I'm chasing this down today. And I was like, oh, my God, this we're running this over the ground. All right. Maybe we'll do that. Um, 
there were two movies that I saw that are coming out this weekend. Uh, they're Shirley and Becky, both single first name movies, um, but couldn't be more different. Uh, Quinnell, do you know who Shirley Jackson is? I do not. Did you ever read uh, The Lottery, the short story when you were in high school? It's I the, did not. It's, it's a pretty dark short story. I would recommend reading it. But I love I, short stories. It's good. I had always remembered it very vividly because one of the characters who, who bad things happen to share a last name with me. Um, but essentially, this movie is about the author. It's sort of a biopic, but it's also sort of an adaptation of a novel, which was a fictionalization of her life. She didn't just write that short story. She also wrote The Haunting of Hill House. Ooh, I love that one. Yeah. So I think you would appreciate it. She has a very interesting creative process and the portrayal of it is really, really interesting. I think the direction is what elevates it. It's from the same director as this movie called uh, Madeline's Madeline or Madeline's Madeline. I guess I'm not sure, but <laughs> I don't know. This is a much more straightforward narrative than that movie, but it's it's really, really good. I think you should see it. Um, I won't say anything more than that because it's just really good. The other movie is Becky, which I don't know if you've heard anything about this. It's Kevin James is an escaped, like, psychopathic Nazi killer who invades this home. And okay. it's it's not very good. Um, I think he was, Kevin James was maybe trying to go for his, uh, um, oh, what is it? Adam Sandler-esque kind of movie from Uncut Gems from last year, but... It's just very confusing. I didn't expect to be as bored as I was going to because it's sort of like then she, the younger daughter has to defend the house against all these goons and save her family. So it f sort of felt like a more dark Home Alone, but I feel like that's already Home Alone. He's already <laughs> beaten up people pretty badly. Uh, but I don't know. I Those are two movies that are coming out. I would recommend seeing Shirley. Um, yeah. Thanks, thanks for joining me, Quinnell, and having a good conversation. I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I was happy to be here, and I just hope that people find some relief in our podcast um, mm -hmm. in this trying time. And also, everybody, please stay safe. Uh, the coronavirus did not just go away. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to say, um, if you're still staying in, there were some movies that uh, people were releasing. I think the Criterion Collection released a bunch of movies for free on their... Um, website and then there was the michael b jordan movie that i think universal pictures or warner brothers released what was it it was mercy something mercy with jamie fox um i was probably gonna see that tomorrow but yeah there's there's good stuff out there or um for next week we're gonna do an entire episode about spike lee movies Mm -hmm. um, because his new movie is coming out next week which was a very pleasant surprise i didn't know he was coming out with a new movie but it's going to be on Netflix, and I'm I'm kind of excited about it, especially okay. since we... Did we have the class together where we talked about the Spike Lee movie? Which one? There was the couple. There was the documentary made, and then there was the Malcolm yes, X yeah. movie. Okay, I, yeah. yeah we so we had a class together. It'll be, it'll be like old times. We can, <laughs> we can call our old professor and see if she wants to come on. She absolutely would. You think we could call her? That'd be funny. I definitely think that we could get Susan on here. Yeah, Susan, <laughs> it's an open invitation. Um, but and, yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks so I'll much for joining everybody. And yeah, as I, usual, thanks for listening. Yeah, you have a good weekend, everybody. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we look forward to continuing the conversation next week.
stay safe, wear your mask, keep marching, and say their names.